I'm preaching a series on so great salvation. That's why we came to worship, because we're redeemed by the grace of God. And I, I, I am convinced that it would affect us differently every time we come in this church house as we begin to sing Amazing Grace and there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, or whenever we begin to sing any of these great songs I hear the choir sing, if we would be conscious every hour, every minute that we're in this building, that we've come here to worship him because we have been redeemed and God forgave us of all of our sin. And thank God for that. What a wonderful testimony Charles gave in the song and Miss Linda singing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Now you take your Bible. I hope you have a pencil or pen this morning and write down some notes this morning. And I'm going to do as I did last Sunday. I'm going to try to be very deliberate in my delivery. I want you to get this. Doesn't matter if you're a member of Benson Grove Baptist Church or not, or that I baptize you, other people baptize you. But one thing you had better know beyond any shadow of a doubt, that you are saved and heaven is your home. I mean, the day's approaching quickly. And, and besides that, the Bible said there's a, but a step between thee and death. And so you better know you're saved. I'm not talking about a, a, accepting some religious doctrine. I'm talking about having an experience and being born again by the grace of God. And my friend, you've got to have it. You need it. I am convinced that a large number of people in Baptist churches and other denominations have really no concept of what it means to be saved by the grace of God and what is in, in, involved in that and how wonderful it is. And uh, I want you to listen now. We're going to read some scripture. Last Sunday, I preached on, to you on who is Jesus and as we introduce the series on, uh, on so great salvation. But I want to deal with a few terms over the next few Sundays that you hear people say, are you saved? Are you saved? People may say, oh yeah, I'm saved. I was baptized in such and such a day. Or I'm a member of such and such a church. Uh, please understand, Christ loved the church and died for it. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and then baptize them. Those things are important, but they are not salvation. Being baptized is not salvation. Joining a church is not salvation. Being identified with a particular religious group is not salvation. Salvation is the most important thing that you have in this world that you need to know you've got. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read some, quite a few scriptures. I'll give you quite a few scriptures. I trust you'll write some of them down. Notice in the book of Romans chapter 3, I want to begin reading verse number 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. And please don't relegate this to history. This is real today. He's talking about mankind. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's talking about every person who draws breath on God's earth. This is a description of us. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are, they are together becoming profitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open supplica. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is out of their lips. Whose mouth are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. 
Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. You don't have to be a Bible theologian. You don't have to go through Benson Grove Bible Institute, although I think you ought to, to understand that verse. It simply says this, the law was given that every mouth might be stopped and that all the world become guilty before God. Now understand this, you don't have to stand before a Baptist preacher. You don't have to stand before the Pope. But every person in the sound of my voice, I have to face God one of these days. And the Bible said that the law will never justify you, but the law was given that every mouth might be stopped. You can't say it's my mama's fault. It's my daddy's fault. It's my granddaddy's fault. It's society's fault. I made a bad decision, da, da, da. But the Bible said the law was given that every mouth might be stopped and that all the world might become guilty before God. Because you see, God only saves sinners. He only saves guilty people. And he said, that's where I want you to get to. I want you to get, and that's why I gave my law to show you you can't keep the law. Therefore, verse number 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, isn't that something? The law, God's commands, God's word reveals to us that we are sinners and it makes us guilty before God. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being therefore justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. I'll explain some of these things to you in a moment, but the word propitiation simply means satisfaction of God's holy demands. God has set forth Jesus to be the satisfaction of all of his holy demands through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Where's boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Turn over to chapter number four of Romans and look at verse number three. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want you to bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask God the Holy Spirit now to speak to our hearts. I pray, God, that you would give to us a solemnness this morning to recognize the fact that we are created beings. And God, as David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You who created the vast universes that even now we continue to find new stars and planets. God, it's endless, it seems. But you are an infinite God. You're a holy God, a righteous God. And God, you have fashioned us and created us according to your word for your own pleasure. But Lord, you said without faith that it's impossible to please you. And I pray God this morning that God, you'd make every individual in this building keenly aware the fact that they'll have to face you one day. And God, what you have done for us in Christ that we might stand our Father not in our own righteousness, but in His righteousness. Lord, that we might, while we're here in this world, having been redeemed by Your precious Son's blood, that we might truly honor You and worship You and magnify Your name and tell others about You. And Lord, we'll thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to deal with a word, and if you were to go around and ask people, you say, are you saved? Not a church member, but are you saved? Are your sins forgiven? Here's a word that we ought to also address. Have you been justified? Because part of our salvation is justification. To be justified before God. I read verse 1 of chapter 5 again. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified. Justification. What's, What's it mean? Well, simply put, somebody described it this way. It means to be just as if we've never sinned. Charles mentioned things that happened in his life 20 years ago that the government has not forgotten, that individuals have not forgotten. But it's one of the most amazing, marvelous truths about salvation is this, that regardless of how wicked we have lived our lives and if we understood how wicked we were without even committing an act of sin, if we could see our hearts like God sees our hearts and see our righteousness like God sees our righteousness and understand that all of our righteousness is filthy rags and he sees us like that before we are saved and understand that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive Christ's righteousness, that he looks at us as if we have never sinned. He doesn't even remember our sins against us anymore. They're always gone. That would make us shout and run to two egg and back. I mean, if you could understand that you stand before him just as if you've never sinned. Now, here's the problem. And there are several that I've read to you in this passage of Scripture. Here's a person born in Adam's race, living in Johnson County. And you don't have to teach a child to do right or to do wrong. You have to teach them to do right. They go astray from the womb, telling lies. They cry when they're not hungry. They cry when they don't need to be changed or anything. And as they get older, you have to teach them to do right because it is in man and boys and women and girls to do evil. It's their nature. It's in their heart. And that's why you have laws in the land. If everybody could live by the dictates of their own heart, you would not have to have written commands or laws of man. But that's not the case because men are sinners. Now, here's the problem with God justifying us. 
And there are several. Let me mention to you. First of all, there's the require the holy law. God's law is express expression of his holy nature. Let me show you a verse. Go back to the book of Proverbs and write these verses down if you don't want to turn to them right now. But look in the book of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. Now, now hang with me. And uh, my good friend, brother uh, Craig Edwards said, hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Notice in Proverbs chapter number 17, look at verse number 15. He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they are an abomination to the Lord. If, if a person justifies the wicked, in other words, if they, here's a person who is wicked, and if they are clear to that, God said it's an abomination to me. I mean, somebody that's wicked, and there's been no change and everything. And if they are acquitted or set free, it's an abomination to me. Let me show you about, go back and look at his law back into the book of Deuteronomy. The word Deuteronomy means the second law, the second given of the law. But all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And let me show you something in Deuteronomy chapter number 25. And if you'll look at verse number 25 and verse 1. And give me a second to find it myself. In Deuteronomy chapter number 25, I want you to look at verse number 1. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 1. And give me a second as I get there. In chapter 25, listen to what he says in verse 1. This is God's holy nature expressed in one comment. If there's a controversy between men and they come into judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous... And condemn the wicked. Now that's God's command. Now understand something. God's not going to change that. That's never going to change. God will condemn the wicked. But he will justify the righteous. But yet as we've read this passage of scripture here a a little while ago. That he said that he might justify the ungodly. You say brother Bill that's a real contradiction of God's nature. No. Remember the verse I read to you where it said he might be just and the justifier. God in his infinite wisdom develop what we call a plan of salvation whereby he could justify the guilty and yet not compromise his holiness. But the problem is that that law, the holy demands of the law, and then there is the indictment that's against us. What is that indictment? I read it to you there in the book of Romans expressed also in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. And it says from the top of our head to the sole of our feet, that we are corrupt. There's no good thing in us. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All our righteous are filthy rags. The indictment against us, all have sinned. And God had concluded all under sin. Now here's a real problem. How's God going to get us to heaven when we are sinners and he's not going to change his law and the indictment against us? We've already been judged. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. We're already condemned by God. We're already under condemnation of sin by God. We've already been judged sinners and worthy of death and hell for all eternity. God and his holiness have already set that up. That's the way he looks at us. That is the sentence of law. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. There's the, there's the holy demands of the law. There's the indictment against us. There's that... that, that uh, that sentence of the law. Besides that, this judge 
can never be bought off. He is, he is unflexible in his holiness and in his justice. He's not going to bend the law. He's not going to change the law. He's not going to compromise the law. He's not going to lower his standards just to get us into heaven. And then there's this statement. We are unquestionably guilty. High is God who has the law, this expression of his own character, and the indictment against us that we're all sinners. We're unquestionably guilty, and he's not going to change. How is he going to get us out of that state and get us into heaven? How's that going to happen? How can he ever do that for us? Go back to the book of Romans chapter 3. And look at Romans chapter 3 and look at verse 21. Romans 3 verse 21. Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, be a witness by the law and the prophets. Let me say in the first place, this plan that God had, he had before the foundation of the world. God didn't have to come up with it. God, when Adam sinned, God wasn't thrown into a tizzy and he took him 2,000 years or 4,000 years to ever figure out what he's going to do about it. And then finally sent Jesus. The Bible said Christ died before the foundation of the world, the mind of God. God already knew how he's going to do it. Before there was ever sin, there was a plan of redemption. God already had it. And it's promised by the prophets. Notice verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. This plan is enacted not by doing, not by changing, not by turning over a new leaf, not by reforming, not by trying to start now and let your good outweigh your bad by the time you die, but it's by simple faith. It's by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23 tells us, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. This plan that he has has to be something that would accommodate all people. Red, yellow, black, and white, educated, uneducated, young, old. It's got to be somebody to accommodate every person, every person. Verse number 24 says, we're justified freely by his grace. This plan that God has set up is freely by his grace. Notice a little further, verse 24. Who God has set forth to be the propitiation of our sin, that is Jesus Christ, back in verse 24. He did declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past the forbearance of God. That means when God was looking down through time and he saw our sin and he didn't send us to hell immediately and when we were 10 years old, we did acts of sin or 12 years old or 5 years old, 8 years old or 16 years old or 18 years old when we did those wicked things when we were teenagers and when we were in our 20s or when we was in our 30s, God didn't immediately consign us and send us to hell immediately. God was forbearing. God was holding back because Christ has paid for all of our sin already. Christ has already got the plan. And the thing is, it's by grace. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 25 tells us this. To declare and say at this time, his righteousness, not mine and not yours. This plan declares his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believes. Now here it is. Here's a holy God that's not going to change. He said, the wages of sin is death. You, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. And we've sinned. And so we're alienated from God. We're separated from God. God's not going to change that. He's not going to change his demands of perfect holiness. He's gonna, never going to change that. But then over here, he said he wants to be the justifier. He wants to forgive us of all our sin. And here's, here's the way that he could do that. 
It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way God could ever get you to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that he could ever get an African to Christ, uh, to heaven, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way he could ever get someone who lived in Afghanistan or Iraq or Iran or Egypt or Peru, the only way any person on this whole earth could ever go to heaven is through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the law is universal. The indictment is universal. All have sinned. The penalty is universal. The alienation from God is universal. Everybody's sinned. Everybody's alienated from God. And God said, I've, I'm going to redeem them. And I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to lower my standards. I'm not going to become less holy. I'm not going to turn my head and, and close my eyes and hold my nose and let them into heaven. He said, I'm going to be perfectly holy. And he said, I'm not going to let anybody into heaven that is not absolutely righteous. He's not going to change. That's the only people who get to go. Those that are absolutely perfect according to his standards. Now you say, Brother Billy, that sounds like a contradiction of what you've been saying the whole time. No, no. He's not going to change. The folk that get to go in his sight... In, according to his records, or absolutely 100% perfect. I'm a getting a Holy Ghost bump up down my back. I am not worthy. You're not worthy. But we have been accepted in the beloved. He fixed it that way. It's, a, it's God's plan. It is God's plan. It is consistent with his righteousness. It's a way to give God all the glory. Look at verse 27. Where's boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It is absolutely consistent with God's holiness. It gives God all the glory. There's not one of us who's going to get to heaven and say, thank God I made it because I was a member of Benson Grove or I was a preacher, I was a teacher, or I was this, that, other, or because I quit chewing tobacco or because I, I quit dipping or because I did all those things. I, not one person get the glory and say I got there because of anything I did. Every person gets there is going to say it's by the way of the cross. And I'm absolutely standing perfect before him. Just as if I've never sinned and it ain't got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me on Calvary. Salvation. Oh, so great salvation. Why in the world would he say so great salvation? Because of the kind of salvation it is. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done. It has nothing to do with us keeping the law. It's not by the deeds of the flesh. It gives God all the glory. Here it is defined theologically for you. Justification is an act of God's free grace whereby he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight for the righteousness of Christ only imputed to us and received by faith alone. We stand before God and in God's measurement and in God's book and in God's standard, he sees us as perfect as his dear son because he forgave us by grace 
all of our sins are gone and he gave to us the righteousness of Christ and he sees us in his son and he sees us absolutely perfect. Has nothing to do with my Sunday school pens. Has nothing to do with baptism. Has nothing to do with church membership. It's all because of grace and by faith I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I stand before him absolutely perfect. I don't stand before you perfect. I don't stand before myself perfect. I don't stand before the devil perfect, but in the economy of God's grace and mercy, he sees me as perfect. I don't understand that. I can't hardly explain that, but I sure can shout over that and sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I am justified, just as if I've never sinned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you say, well, I'm as good as a preacher. I'm as good as a deacon. And you're just as sorry as a preacher and sorry as a deacon because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you get to heaven, you're going to get there in the righteousness of Christ and he'll see you perfect. Oh, Lord, help us. I've been married to my wife 45 years. She's never seen me perfect. And the longer I'm married to her, the more imperfection she sees over and over again. And thank God, and she's got a good memory. Oh, Lord, she don't let me forget nothing and she don't forget nothing. But I'm going to stand one day before the creator of this universe and he's going to look at the little boy born in a cottonville town in North Carolina and he's going to say he's absolutely perfect. Perfect. Never done a thing. Never sinned. Never did all those things that he remembers, the world remembers. They're all gone forever. Hallelujah. You can't sit here in church and act like your mother-in-law moved in if you really believe that. If you really believe that this morning, I am justified before him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it's not a works of righteousness which we've done. Oh, it's his mercy. It's his mercy. Let me say to you this morning, in the first place, that was introduction. In the first place, I am justified fully. Fully. And not one thing on my record. Not one thing I've forgotten, not one thing the world forgot, not, not a little blemish, not nothing. I mean, there's not a little thought, there's not a little cuss word, there's not a little action, there's not one thing on my record. I'm, I'm fully justified, fully. He didn't miss a thing. I mean, listen, every one of them, every one of them. I want you to look in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31. I am justified, chapter number 8, verse 33, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Who shall shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. I'll tell you one thing. There's one judge. That's the Lord. And he justified me. Not one thing. They can't find one little thing. Not one little thought. Not one little word. Not one little action. Not one little thing. Nothing. My record's clear. I stand before him. And he is the justifier. And he's the one who justified me. I didn't have to meet some standard. I didn't have to come up to a level. I didn't have to keep all the demands of the law, nor of men. He justified me freely by his grace. I am justified fully from all things. It is declared by God to be that way. And listen, folk, the world condemn you, the church condemn you, people condemn you. But the Bible said, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, God Himself, 
has declared you to be righteous. Look over in chapter, the book of Acts chapter 13. Go back to the book of Acts chapter 13 and look with me please at verse number 39. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 39. Listen to this. And by him all that believed are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. If you if you're going to line up yourself to the 600 and some odd laws of Moses and you kept every one of them, it wouldn't it wouldn't acquit you. It wouldn't justify you of everything you've ever done. But by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ has provided that you can be justified from all things that you've ever d- done. That ain't got nothing to do with being a Baptist. God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you're going to have to stand before holy God one of these days and you're unquestionably guilty. The Bible's already condemned you, already under condemnation of God. And you're not going to escape. He knows every thought, every action, every deed, every hair of your head, your number. He knows every word, every thought, every bit of it. But he said, if by simple faith you'd believe on my dear son, they'll all be gone just like that. And acquit you and justify you from all things that you've ever done. The father declared that the son... Has, a, has provided it. Look over in the Bible in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, will you look with me at verse number 9? So great salvation. So great salvation. I'm telling you it's great. In chapter number 6, and look at verse number 9. He said this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicator, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Wait a minute. If you were an adulterer, how come you ain't an adulterer now? If you were an extortioner, how come you ain't an extortioner now? Because by faith, they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything they were is gone forever in his mind and in the economy of God. Hallelujah. The world won't ever forget it. They won't forever get you a thief, you an adulterer, or anything else. But God said, and such were some of you. I mean, God, the word of God says you were that, but God forgave you. Not one of them's getting in. But those that get in, they may have done those things before they got saved. But when they're saved, they're all gone. They're not those things anymore. And such were some of you. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. It was declared by God himself. It was provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is applied through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And by faith, when you believe on Lord Jesus Christ, all the things that you used to be, all the sins that you ever committed are gone forever in God's mind, in God's heart, in God's economy, and you're justified. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. Oh, listen, God said we're justified, and we're justified fully, everything. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Listen, if, if God declares us righteous, if God justifies us, it is it's this. It is, it is a declaration that none can cancel. I mean, God set us free. 
It don't, I don't care what folks say. I don't care what the church says. I don't care. But if God has forgiven us, no man can condemn us. God did that. God did that. And, and listen, and if, if, if that declaration is so, then it must be true. If God said it, it must be true. If God said all of our sins are gone, if God said the things we used to be, we're not anymore, if God said I forgive it all, then it must be so. If God said it, don't let the devil hang you up in the past. That's gone forever. It's true. If God said it, it's founded in truth. It's founded in God's grace because you know I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it no matter what. Listen, and it doesn't matter what man thinks about us. doesn't matter what we think about ourselves. It's what God thinks about us that makes any difference. We're justified fully. We're justified freely. We're justified freely. Look in chapter 3 of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 24 again. Listen to what it says. Being justified freely by his grace. By his grace. It's God's unmerited favor that we're justified by. Well, don't, I know how you're feeling. Some of you who are good church members, you just got this feeling where you, I, I, I know that's so, but you just, you just got to, you just got to, you, you, you just got to do something. I mean, you got to live right. I mean, you got to do the, it somehow or another, you just got to, no. It's either grace or it ain't a grace. It's all of grace. And we're justified not only fully, but freely. I mean, not one thing. You don't have to make them a promise. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to say I'm going to go to church the rest of my life. You don't have to say I'm going to read my Bible every day. I think you ought to go to church. I think you ought to read your Bible. You don't even say you have to tithe or you have to do this, that, or the other. We're justified freely. Absolutely free. It is absolutely free to whosoever we may come. It's by his grace. It's through faith in his name. It's, it, it is a marvelous. It's amazing grace. Look over in the book of Titus, if you will. First and second Timothy. First and second Thessalonians. And then the little book of Titus. And you'll find a wonderful statement in the little book of Titus. Listen to me now. Hang on. And notice what it says in chapter number 3. And look at verse 3. It says this. For we ourselves also were under, uh, were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Now, you know what? You know who said that? Paul said that. Paul said, that's the way I was. I was foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts, all, every kind of lust you've ever experienced. Immoral lust, prideful lust, all those. Paul experienced every one of them. God used to write 13 books of this Bible. He said, all these things were true of me, hateful, malice, all that. But after that, in the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. For by works of right, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And thank God for that truth, that God's done that for us in Jesus, which he shed, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Watch this. Being justified by his grace, that we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'm justified fully. 
all of my sin are gone. I'm standing here now in front of you. I failed the Lord. I've sinned since I've been saved. And, and I'll probably do some more. But when God forgave me, forgave me of all my sin, and I received the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm in Christ. It's all gone forever and forever. I'm justified freely. Oh, listen, it said by his grace. It's pure grace. It is pure grace. It, it is pure grace that God would be willing to accept a sacrifice. How is it that God can be just and the justifier? How can he say the wage of sin is death and, and the soul that sinneth it shall die and yet take people who are sinners and get them into heaven? It's grace and it's pure grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. The condemnation of sin that was on every sinner, God put on his dear son. Now, that's grace. God didn't have to do that. God could have put everybody in this building, everybody in Johnson County, everybody in the world, everybody born since Adam. He could have put the whole outfit in hell, and he'd still been God and just and holy. But grace, but because of grace, he chose to accept a sacrifice for our sin. Not just any sacrifice. It's pure grace that he was willing to accept a sacrifice. But it is wondrous grace and amazing grace that he would give the one to be the sacrifice. It would have been grace if he just said, you go find you a sacrifice and if you'll offer a sacrifice, I would accept that. But here's one condition. It's got to be sinless. It's got to be perfect. We wouldn't have ever found one. Amazing grace is this, that he's willing to accept the sacrifice, but that he would provide the sacrifice himself. Hey, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that cursed him and blasphemed him and disobeyed his commands and didn't love him and didn't want to do any, have anything to do with him. And he, before we ever knew him, took his son to die for us and let him suffer and bleed and die. It's amazing grace that he didn't even take a sacrifice, but it is, it, it is amazing grace that he would be willing to give his own son to do that. It's amazing. It is marvelous grace. It's marvelous grace. Not only that God would accept a sacrifice, and not only that he'd be willing to provide the sacrifice, but his marvelous grace in that Jesus himself was willing to suffer and bleed and die to redeem us. That's marvelous grace, that he was willing to do that. We're justified fully. We're justified freely. I have a lot of these little F's. We're justified fascinatingly. Now you say, Brother Billy, I'll just give this to you real quick. Look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Here's the fascination of it to me. In Romans chapter 4, look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Now, here's the fascination of it. 
that the folk he takes to heaven are those who deserve to go to hell. The ungodly. Paul thought it was amazing. I think it's amazing. John Newton thought it was amazing. Fanny Crosby thought it was amazing. That God was willing to accept a sacrifice. That God would provide a sacrifice. That his son was willing to be that sacrifice. And that he would do all of that for ungodly people. And then justify them because of what his son did and take them to heaven to be with him for all eternity. That is amazing. That is amazing. That's his plan of salvation. I'm not only justified freely and fully and fascinatingly, but I am justified forever, forever, forever. Look in Romans chapter 5, verse 9 once again. Much more than being much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, it is the eternal covenant of God. And look over Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 30 and listen to what he said in Romans 8 verse 30. And he said this, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And, whom he just, and those he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now what he's doing is looking through the whole panorama of salvation. The drawing of the Holy Spirit of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, the redeeming of that lost sinner, justifying of that lost sinner, and the ultimate glorification of that lost sinner. I'm justified fully and freely and fascinatingly. I'm justified forever. I am justified fruitfully. One verse, Romans chapter 5, I'm through. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Fruitful. The fruit of my salvation is a peace with God. He's no longer at war with me. He's no longer there as a judge to condemn me. He is my heavenly Father. We have a peace that passes all understanding. I don't have to work at it. I don't have to keep myself saved. I, 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 I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been justified forever. I hope you got a little bit of that this morning. I hope you understand just a little bit of it. What he did for you on Calvary and what it's all about has nothing to do with you joining this church. Nothing to do with you turning over a new leaf. It's God and his marvelous grace. And you believing on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, he said, all your sins are gone forever. You're a child of the king. You're on your way to heaven. The greatest verse, most familiar verse in all the Bible has every Bible truth in it you could ever imagine. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Justified freely. Justified fully. Justified fascinatingly. Justified fruitfully. And justified forever because of amazing grace.